Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Katie Ressler. Katie is a transformative grief guide and licensed counselor with 13 years of experience helping individuals, couples, and families. She is the author of The New Face of Grief and is on a mission to help people learn how to heal hidden grief in their lives. Katie is an expat, wife, mom of three, and loves to be by the water to relax. Hi, Katie, and welcome to As I Live and Grieve. We're so tickled to have you join us today. Thank you, Kathy. I'm honored to be on your show. Great. To our listeners, I first want to mention that we're recording this on Thursday, September 30th, which now is being tagged as International Podcast Day. So I'm really excited about this. And as well, I wanted to say that this particular episode to honor Podcast Day is actually being recorded not in my home studio office, but in the building called Shepherd Home, which is a comfort care home, a hospice home that I work at, I volunteer at, my daughter worked at, volunteers at, and it's a very, very special place to us. Shepherd Home was actually the inspiration for this podcast. As we saw the families come in and be with their families as their loved one died, And then the struggle the families had themselves as they started that journey of grief. And that's what made us think that death in general just needs to be a more comfortable topic of conversation. So that's where we are. All right. Today, Katie's going to talk to us. Um, It's about grief in general. I have several questions I want to ask her. But before we get started, Katie, would you tell our listeners just a little bit of your background, please? Yeah, so I'm a licensed counselor and transformative grief guide and new author as well. I get to add that title to the list. Um, I've been counseling for 13 years and um, from the United States, but I live in Munich, Germany now. We've been here for five years. I'm a mom to three girls and um, I've had private practices both in the States and here in Germany and really have enjoyed supporting people in having a healthier communication in their lives, better boundaries. And over the past couple of years, my own story has shifted into um, a lot of grief healing work. And from that um, became sort of this, this focus that I wanted to start working with people, similar to you and your daughter, seeing so many people grieving and not really knowing where to start or how to go through the process. Right. I was noticing in the last, um, especially the last year and a half, that lots of people were grieving and it wasn't completely connected to death. And they didn't right. know it because it, they, it's hard for us. We, we think grief and we think a death may have, must have happened. Mm-hmm. And we've even said to people, like, well, it's not like someone died when they exactly. are grieving of something else. Yeah. And the reality is, is grief is a actually very normal, natural process we all go through throughout our lives. Right. It's linked to death as well as 
um, adjustment, change, you know, shifts in uh, kind of rites of passages, mm-hmm. changing, you know, into motherhood, parenthood, exactly, out of it, empty nest yeah. syndrome, all of these things. So um, I wrote a book called The New Face of Grief, and it was to help people to start to understand hidden grief. That's what it's called, mm-hmm. but it's not associated with something society right. with. And helping people to see that it actually helps us grow. And I had to go on my own journey first. A lot of people are like, oh, it's so easy to talk about it when you haven't experienced it. And I'm like, no, no. He <laughs> <laughs> has gone through the fire and continue, yes. continue my own grief work. Right. And that's a journey. I think it's a lifelong journey in many ways. Right. And one of the realizations that came to me, and when I think about loss from death of a loved one, I lost, initially, I lost um, my father mm-hmm. to cancer. Then I lost a newborn child, a boy. Then I lost my mother. Then I lost my husband. Mm. And each one of those was entirely different, not only in what led up to their death, but in that period of time afterward, that grief journey. And it was really only after the death of my husband, which is not quite four years ago, but it's been a few years, that I came to the realization that I'm going to grieve for the rest of my life. It's going to change. I'm going to adapt in different ways, already have in many ways, but that grief is going to stay with me. And just as you talk about hidden grief, one of the favorite examples that comes to my mind is when someone loses a pet. Mm -hmm. Well, a pet, a dog, has always been a vital part of our family. And when you lose them, It's different. I hate to say it's no different than losing a parent. Every death is different. Every little initial phase of your grief journey is different. After a while, it kind of morphs into something similar as you've experienced before. But that initial piece is different. Hidden grief, I think, is sometimes also called disenfranchised grief. Mm -hmm. I don't care for that term because to me, it doesn't really explain it so well. And the word disenfranchised actually means that you're being deprived of something. So they're trying to depict the idea that you're being deprived of that normal right a person has and need a person has to grieve because your grief, your particular experience is not being understood or accepted by others. So I really prefer the term hidden grief. Now, I want to kick it back to you for a second, but I want to do it by saying I visited your website. Actually, I've been there several times. (laughs) I love reading it. There is a quote on your website that struck me. It continues to make me think, and that is, grief isn't pretty. It's beautiful. Are those your words? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh, Katie, that's a beautiful thought. but. Can you explain that to our listeners? hundred percent. So um, I grew up in in the church and I remember a sermon once that said, God's good is not our good. And it was the first time that I had this understanding of the word good or beautiful have these connotations that we associate like good must mean it feels great. And like it's good all the time. 
But in the moment, sometimes when I do things that are what I call like addicting, addictive behaviors or like escape addiction, like, you know, it feels really good to eat all this particular food, but then I feel sick afterwards, you know, but I'm saying it's good in the moment and that good is actually a good thing. Okay. Beautiful for me is complex. It's intricate. It's, you know, we are beautiful human beings because we have the ability to to create and destroy and to have multitude of emotions. And when I think about grief, it is beautiful and not in the classic sense. And I talk about this in the book. It's, it's beautiful, not in the classic sense of, oh, look, the symmetry and it's beautiful colors. And, you know, it's lovely, beautiful and the richness of it, how it helps us grow, the depth that it takes us to and the strength that it shows us that we have. That's why I say that it is beautiful. And you know, often we think um, when we are grieving, people kind of go like, you know, don't I just look ugly when I'm crying or don't don't look at me. I don't want you to see me in this negative state. I don't want people right. to see me like this. And that's why I say it's not pretty. No, it's not pretty. Right. But it's beautiful because who you become outside of that is amazing. And that, that's on the cover of my book is a lotus because mm-hmm. it's in that murky, dark water. And every night it closes up into its bud and goes back into that water and then comes back out and the petals are never touched. On the inside, it's this beautiful flower because there's still beauty in the fact that you can coexist with challenges and suffering and negative emotions and also have this light and this beauty and this ability to grow. That's such a great description. It really is. Um, And as you were talking about that, I was reminded of kind of an instance in my own life where there was something that should have brought me to tears, but instead it just gave me such a warm feeling in my heart. And that was at the conclusion of um, calling hours for my husband. My husband was retired army. So there was a a huge military presence of all of the um, other veterans with him and everything. And I went outside for a few moments to take something to my car. And on the step, of the funeral home was one of my grandsons. And at that point, I believe he was probably 11 or 12. And he was just sitting on the steps by himself, sobbing. Mm -hmm. It struck me because Tom wasn't my first husband. So he wasn't their biological grandfather. But apparently, I'm going to tear up as I talk about it. Apparently, he had such a special place Mm -hmm. in AJ's heart that this death struck AJ that powerfully. And I did not even know that that attachment existed at that level. So even though it was an ugly moment, because here we are calling hours and the whole thing, but here was this young boy and just so overwhelmed by his sadness. To me, that was beautiful. It and really was. To, to express it and not feel like he exactly. had to hold it and hide it and exactly. inside. That's yeah. Yeah. very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love that quote, and I think you probably should um, start doing some merchandising with it because, I, I, to me, it's a very, very impactful quote. Thank you. Okay, hidden grief. Now, back to that and this whole thought of being deprived from grief and everything. And And probably a lot of people think of it maybe with death of a pet. You could think of it as divorce. But we all know that this pandemic, honestly, Katie, is there Mm -hmm. anybody out there who was not grieving from their their life, their, you know, the routine they lost, the 
socialization we lost everything our lives all changed dramatically all over the world right so that was hidden grief for all of us maybe you didn't put a name on it and i expect a lot of people didn't but now that we're this far i don't know into or out of it either however you want to look at it do you think that some of this hidden grief is resolving or are there still people out there that are really having issues with it if you're not working on it and healing it, then it's just going back under the rug. And um, the way that, for me, the way that it showed up in the past, um, when like my mom died three years ago, and there were points where I tried to just cover up how I was feeling, Mm -hmm. um, was I was trying to stay busy. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to stay busy when you're stuck inside your home. Yep. But when you get back into the real world, (laughs) you can I've got this and this and I can't think about or feel these things. Mm -hmm. And so it will show back up then where we disconnect from relationships. Again, we stay busy. We have a hard time Mm -hmm. being in the moment, which is already happening for many of us as, as life starts to open back up again. Right. Right. And they'll feel like this emptiness inside that we just don't want to feel. So We continue on our phones. We continue watching things late at night instead of having good, meaningful conversations. We mm-hmm. all struggle. So I would say if people weren't working on it, then it's still there. Right. Um, agreed. And when you say working on it, mm-hmm. how does one work on their grief? Where do you start? Yeah. Um, what I have my clients do is to really look at like a timeline of their grief. You know, from the earliest memory they have of things that maybe didn't go the way they thought it would or should. It can be something as simple as, you know, I wish my mom had been more like this or this happened at school one time. The things that linger and we hold on to over time that um, we lay down at night and we have that memory of something we said to someone one time that we, oh, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? Right, right. Grief for me is just when life didn't go the way we thought it would or should. And that's the same with a death. Like it's, I thought life would be with this person and now it's not. And we know death is a natural part of life as well as the beginning and the end. Right. And so, but we don't like that feeling. Like, Mm -hmm. no, no, it shouldn't be like this. For me with my mom, it was like, no, you're supposed to be here. I'm a mom of little girls. I'm supposed to be able to ask mm-hmm. you, did I do this? Was this, you know, mm-hmm. what was I like on my first day of school? Do you have a picture right. of that anymore? And I, I don't have that. I don't have that person to do that with. So it's looking at your timeline of grief. What are the things that have um, continued to stick with you? And right. then whether it be through guided meditations or journaling or counseling or, you know, working with someone like me to specifically heal that grief, it is looking at what's our, our triggers, what's our responses in grief? How would we like to shift them? What is a healthy way to express the anger that comes with grief? What's a healthy way to express the bargaining phase that we all kind of like, well, if I had done this or if this had happened and how do we let those things go? And that's a journey I take people on in the book is my own journey, as well as other people I, I, I know. They're, the women who share their stories in the book share their, like, this is, I had to go through this to find mm-hmm. this. Right. And so it's a, a healing process that begins with sort of a, um, becoming your own consultant. You know, like, let me look over this like and that. see what works here, what yeah. doesn't work here, and what's yeah. happening with my grief. Yeah. And I tell people it's as simple as, 
you know, 10 to 15 minutes a day, which people go, well, as soon as I open the floodgates, it'll never close down. But you really can allow yourself that space first thing in the morning or the end of the day, you know, whether you journal or stare at like uh, a tree or open field or wherever you are and just have some tea or coffee and sit there and just like, I'm just going to allow myself to feel how I feel. And often my clients stay in their head. Well, and then this happened and then that happened and this and this is how I felt. And I usually go, okay, we've done enough talking. And that's why I do use guided meditations because I have Mm -hmm. them close their eyes, have them stop talking and drop back into their heart because grief is in our lungs and our heart. Like your chest, we feel it like, oh, so I have them go back there and then allow them to just weep in whatever way they need to or be angry or whatever. And then we talk about what tools will help to release that so that it doesn't feel like it's overwhelming and taking them, um, taking up all this time and and kind of spilling over into relationships or into their work or things like that. But if we don't allocate time on a regular basis, we think, oh, it's, it's hidden, but it shows up. Yeah. Oh, Katie, you're such a wise woman. In my grief after my husband died, one of the best pieces of advice I had was grab a cup of coffee or whatever it is you like to drink. And I live, oh, probably within a few miles of Lake Ontario, one of the Great Lakes. I'm in upstate New York. And they said, go to the beach, whether you sit in your car or whether you get out and sit in the sand or sit on a rock, doesn't matter. Just you and whatever you want to drink and do nothing. Leave your phone in the car and just be, and just let your emotions show you the way through this part of your grief. And I thought, yeah, right, you know. And my mind doesn't shut down. It's hard sometimes at night to go to sleep because my mind is like a circus. I mean, there's so much going on up there. And I went out, and it probably took me about, I want to say about 10 minutes that I didn't have all of these fragmented thoughts running through my head and actually even almost got up a couple of times and to say, I'm going to give up and no, I'm going to sit right here. I'm assured that this is going to help me. And I was at a point that it was hard for me to be around anyone else because I would just break out in tears. I just couldn't control it. And it wasn't that I was talking about my husband. It wouldn't have mattered if I went to the grocery store and asked them where I would find the Himalayan sea salt wouldn't matter. I would just break out in tears. And I sat there on that rock. And eventually, my emotions started to take over. And I sobbed, and I sobbed, and I sobbed. And eventually, I ran out of tears. And when I did, then I found myself thinking of the things about my husband that made me smile. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time. I've done something similar a few times since, not for the grief, but just for the release, I think, of stressors in my life. But I have to say, relaxing, so to speak, or letting yourself be totally in the moment with nothing else, no phone, no book, nothing, is one of the hardest things I have ever done. And I've talked with other people and say, oh, yeah, I hate to relax. They're just not comfortable doing it. They must be busy with something. So I I support that, you know, as at some point in your grief, you just need to do that. 
And after that, actually, after all of those tears drained out, I was probably dehydrated, but I was able to be around people and everything without dissolving in tears. And I think that that had just, I had been pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back, you know, through the planning, through my husband's illness, even before he even died. I've been holding all of that back and I just needed to get that out so that then I could move forward and take the rest of my journey, so to speak. And it, it was much easier after that, I have to admit. Yes. Yeah. When we have to allow, because our body holds it, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think grief is like this energy that our body just like holds on to until you allow it, give it permission right. to finally express itself. And yeah. when you do it, it can be, there's that beautiful again. Exactly. Emotional, but it teaches yeah. us so much again about ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think so many times we're raised to hold our emotions in, stuff it in, don't cry, don't show anybody you're mad, upset, hurting, in pain. Don't let anybody see that. Right. You know. This is the importance of as we raise children and the next generation, instead of, you know, even when they do something like scrape their knee, you don't. Mm-hmm give them food or uh, watch this on my phone or because it's little things like that, that we think that we're redirecting and we're soothing them. But what we're Mm -hmm. doing is training their brains to think I can't Mm -hmm. handle this. I need to feel something else. So then if we're older, man, I've had a bad day. I deserve this, whatever I'm going to, you know, buy, eat, drink. Instead of I've had a really bad day. Let me, go, you know, do something that's good for my heart, my soul. Let me go sit mm-hmm. in silence. Let, yeah. me, you know, let me feel this and just release it. Yeah. So it, it, we're having to decondition years, lifetime of being right. told you're not really capable of feeling this. And right. remember, you are very capable of feeling it. Sure. In fact, you're created sure. to be able to keep. And exactly. Have- that's the way we were built. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the, the stuff it in, don't worry about it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that my book changes this perspective on people and they start to realize it's okay. It's okay for us to grieve. It's okay to show grief and it's okay to teach how to grieve. Right. That's great. So are you working on a book for kind of helping your children learn to deal with grief before they need to? <laughs> Um, no, but I do have um, a, an online ebook, uh, How to Talk to Kids About Grief. And oh, I do support okay. videos for the kids, different age groups, uh-huh. ending with right. coping skills that I would have taught them if they were in my counseling office. Nice. And, you know, a large part of it is teaching the parent how to get comfortable with their own grief because right. we don't like to talk about the things we're not comfortable with. Right. But exactly. it's not like a, a lovely book. I could probably, t- the, the, I think the ebook's about 28 pages. I probably could definitely turn that into a larger book. Um, but that is a, a, a course that I have that people can, you know, um, Great. do those things. Yeah. Okay. Something else I noticed on your website, and oh, maybe it wasn't your website. Maybe it was written, I think it was about your book. So it may have been in some of the wording on Amazon or something. It said, transform pain into empowerment. Yes. Is that part of your title or? That's the subtitle. Yep. And and what do you mean about that? I mean, how do you flip a switch and turn pain into empowerment? It's definitely not flipping a switch. 
but okay. it is um, it is that transformational thing that happens. Uh, think about a caterpillar and a butterfly. Okay. You know, we have this analogy of transformation and like this beautiful butterfly that right. comes. But many don't realize that a caterpillar, when it cocoons, there's a, a um, an enzyme that's released and it digests itself. It turns into complete mush inside that cocoon. Mm. And then all of a sudden there's the, the next kind of phase occurs and those cells create, like reorganize themselves and become the platelets and things that create the wings and the legs and all of this stuff. Mm. That for me, the cocoon of grief, um, which you can find a blog post about this on my website. The cocoon of grief is what we must go through, the uncomfortable, the mush to become and transform into who we are meant to be. So each challenge we go through, we can look back at our lives and go, well, I can see why that challenge happened because then I met this person afterwards. Or I, I learned how to speak my mind better or I learned better boundaries. We get that. We understand that that's that butterfly, right? But we had to go through the uncomfortable and that challenge to get there. So that's for me how we transform pain into empowerment is you actually feel it. You go through the grief. You do exactly what you did. You give it space. Because then now what have you created? You've created a podcast. You're able to sit with other people through their grief because you've lost many people dear to you. Right. Your cocoon has become almost a place of like, I know this. And I know oh what goodness. it's going to do. And I know how to sit with this so that your wings can show. And most people want to rush through that process. And I always say, we well, can't fly with one wing. You know, like you can't get out of the cocoon too early or you're not a full butterfly. We have wow. to go through that. So for me, that is that transforming pain into empowerment. It's this pain, this hurt, this loss, this change, this adjustment into I'm a greater version of myself because this occurred. Is that cocoon of grief concept in your book? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I added that as well. Yes. That, that's incredible. And, you know, I honestly, I, I learned something in every podcast. I never knew exactly what happened inside the cocoon. I never thought about it. But that's so interesting. And it's such a great analogy for grief. It truly is. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. I always hate this part of the podcast because I have to say to our guests, our time is growing short. Before we think about wrapping up, though, Katie, I want to give you some time without me interrupting with questions or comments. I want to give you some time to speak directly to our listeners. Tell them about your website. Certainly tell them about your book, anything else you might be working on. This is your opportunity to speak directly to them. Thank you. Well, I just want to start with reminding people how capable they are of this process. Many people hear grief and they go, mm -mm, no, but truly you are able to withstand and go through no matter how many years of pain and suffering there is, you're able to do it. And this is coming from a woman who lost her mom and then had two miscarriages within a year span. It's loss and pain. And when life really does not exist the way that we think it should, can be so, it's just so devastating. It tears us down. And so what I have found from my own experiences and really reflecting over 13 years of working with people is that, wow, you really actually can transform this. So my book, The New Face of Grief is on Amazon. 
It will soon be on Barnes and Noble and all the other major uh, mm-hmm. online bookstores. And that's .com, .de, .au, .ca, wherever you are, <laughs> it's on all of them, ebook or paperback form. And my website is Katie Russler, and that's R-O-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, on there, I have blog posts and podcast resources and free workbooks and courses and you name it. I have all sorts of things. And um, we'll be coming up very soon with ways to start working with me. Now that I'm coming off of my maternity leave, I I did end up having our third child in January. And um, so now that I'm getting back into working again, it's in a new way. And my focus really is teaching this Mm -hmm. exactly how to transform that pain into empowerment. If you are on Instagram, you can find me at katie.rustler. I'd love to do videos on there and teach on there. uh, And you can find me on Facebook as well. Same. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, we've come to that time again in our podcast. I dislike this time because I always enjoy the conversation so much. And I look forward, hopefully, to having you back, Katie, at some point, maybe with a second book or to talk a little bit more about certain portion of the grief journey. I know it's been helpful to me today. And taking something away from the podcast like The Cocoon of Grief I'm going to go back and find your blog post and read it in more detail, too. But I just love that analogy. And I'm probably going to refer to it from time to time. Um, And with credit to Katie Russler. And Katie is in Germany. I'm in the States, which, again, just emphasizes that grief is worldwide. Everybody's suffering. Back in the Victorian era, we would know who's suffering from grief. They would be draped in black. They would have bunting on their homes. Everybody in the neighborhood would know. It's not that way now. It's just not that way anymore. Sometimes I joke around and I say, I want a shirt that says, I'm grieving, be kind to me, and wear it in Walmart and see if anybody pays attention. At any rate, listeners, thanks so much for joining us today on International Podcast Day. I hope you have gained something from this. I hope you visit Katie's page. We will have in the episode notes of the podcast and also on our website all of Katie's contact information. Please read her blog posts. Please reach out to her if you need some help or need some counsel yourself. And as we always say to everyone, please take care of yourselves. Self-care is critical when you are grieving. And most of us are grieving. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on As I Live in Grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.